God bless all of you who are in the Lord's house today. Acts chapter 12. You got it? Say amen. amen. Still looking? Say hold on. We'll wait on you. So we've been talking about these pillars that are the strength of the church and how these pillars allow the church to be all that it can be. And so we turn now to this final pillar in Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. It was about that time that King Herod arrested some, of, uh, some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had uh, James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And we saw that this pleased the Jews. He proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to, a, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod, intending to bring him uh, out for public trial after the Passover. And then in verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Prayer, the power of a praying church. That's what I want to talk about. God bless your ushers. You may readjust. Amen. It's a little bit different sermon today, so I want to start off with something different. Amen. I need you to, Shaquilla, to just help me with this. Family, I need you to help me with this. I know we're in church, and I know uh, that we, do, you know, we want to keep it kind of quiet, you know. But I need you to do something for me today. I need you to think about a state, a state in the United States, other than Alabama. Just think about a state in your mind. Think about a state in the United States of America. You got it? Okay, when I count to three, I want you to shout out that state. Now, don't say Missouri. You know, I want you to shout it out. I know it's a little different. Just, 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 just indulge me for a minute. I want you to shout out that state that you have in your mind when I count to three. One, two, three. All right. This time, I want you to shout out the name of the one who saved you, the, one, the name of the one who keeps you, the name of the one who delivers you, the name of the one who sets you free. One, two, three. Jesus! You notice the difference? Couldn't hold it. You notice the difference? The first time, it was unintelligible. You couldn't hear who was saying what. You just heard a lot of noise. But the second time, it was unified. You see, see, see when the church prays together in unity, say unity, unity, we're able to see and understand what the power of God is doing and what he wants to do in us to make a difference. Let me see if I can put something to you. Several churches uh, some years ago in the state of North Carolina came together and they, uh, Sister Teresa, they, they prayer walked. 
around the most dangerous areas of the city. And it's a true story. As a result of that prayer walk of those churches, the crime rate in the city dropped 50%. In San Francisco, one congregation, listen, they fasted going to church, Mona. And instead of gathering for worship on Sunday mornings, they covered the city hanging prayer blessings on every door. And when they came back to church and resumed their regular church services, instead of finding the attendance decreasing, which some folks had told them would happen, they found over 700 new faces in the pews. I mean, God wants to advance his kingdom, beloved, and he wants to do it right here. We are his soldiers. I told you before, he is a practical eschatologist. God is a God who says, I'm not coming to perform some cataclysmic event and solve the problems of the world. I'm coming to empower you so that you will solve the problems of the world. God uses us. He has no hands but our hands, but no feet but our feet. He has chosen us to do his will, his work, his way according to his word. And so what that means is that God will only be creative to the degree that we are willing to let go of our self-serving traditions and imagine with God. He will only show his power when we are willing to be bold for him. And he will only answer prayers that we have faith enough to pray. Listen, George Barner said that it's not enough for the pastor to pray fervently nor is it sufficient for the leadership team to pray ardently for the congregation. Listen what he says. Until the church owns prayer as a world-class weapon in the battle against evil and cherishes prayer as a means of intimate and constant communication with God, the turnaround efforts of a body are severely limited, if not altogether doomed to fail. However, Stephanie, here's the glory. God has given us this means of communication, this, this weapon called prayer, and this book called the Bible. And the Bible commands us to pray over 250 times, and it speaks of prayer and prayers and praying over 280 times. And I believe that the Word of God is true in Second Chronicles seven fourteen that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. But those of you who are sharp know that verse 15 in that same chapter says, now my eyes are open and my ears are attentive to the prayers offered in this place. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is when a, a congregation of people are praying and calling on the name of the Lord that he begins to answer prayers. It's like Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, it says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believing that you have, have them and you shall receive them. We have an assurance of prayer in John chapter 16, verse 24 that says, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Anybody here got joy? It's, 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 it's what God has ordained for us. He has given us this vehicle called prayer that is the, the, the prerequisite for our moving into action. Let me give you some, since this is the last pillar, let me give you some homework. 
And I want to give you five questions. Uh, I want to ask you five questions. I want to give you five things that I want you to, to look up and deal with. You ready? Number one, is there a person in this city who, if they were converted, would be able to draw large numbers of unchurched, unreached people to Jesus Christ? Can you think of one? You say, man, if he was converted, if she was converted, I know she would bring a large number of people to Jesus Christ. Can you think of one? Listen, here's, here's the second thing. What is our primary purpose? Or what do you think our primary purpose is? And I say our, I mean the church. What is our primary purpose? Listen, on any given Sunday, what is the percentage of people in this city who do not attend church? Do you know? On any given Sunday, what's the percentage of people who do not attend church? Now, here's where it gets really personal. Cynthia, it's, here's the fourth thing. What does our church do to reach the unchurched? What, what does our church do to reach the unchurched? And here's the final thing. Sister Nancy, here's the final thing. If you were to make yourself available to God, where might he send you in the city? And would you go? I just wish it gets personal now. If you want to make yourself available to God, Lord, I'm available to you. Where in the city would he send you? And if he sent you there, would you go? That's, that's your homework. That's, that's what I want you to deal with for the rest of this week. As you go throughout uh, your day, think about those five questions. But this message today, let me see if I can put some Bible with this. It's, it's, it's about one man and one body of believers and how they come to experience the overcoming power of prayer and the power of a praying church. It's about knowing that if the church would just pray, y'all, if the church it would, would just pray, it can overcome death and doubt and experience the miraculous power of God's deliverance. Let me say that again. That if the church would just pray, that it could overcome death and doubt and experience the miraculous power of God's deliverance. See, listen, 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 listen. The early church in, in the book of Acts, it, it's the church of Jesus Christ that was birthed by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it has been, it's, it's been growing by leaps and bounds. And you know that, that, that at one point in time, 3,000 souls came to the Lord. And another time, 4,000 souls came to the Lord. But listen, this is the remnant church of a church that had some problems. Hmm? You, you remember, this, this is the same church where the treasure of the church had been stealing money and finally committed suicide. Hmm? This is the same church where the most prominent leader in the church had denied the faith and denied that he had ever known the Lord. This is the same church where, where, where they were commanded by the officials that they were not to teach or speak the name of their founder, Jesus. 
This is the same church where hypocrisy and lying had been discovered in the membership, which threatened the power of their witness. It's the same church where there was racial strife and caused murmuring in the membership. It's the same church where their favorite and most faithful deacon Stephen had been murdered. It's the same church where there was a government hitman named Saul of Tarsus out tracking our members and persecuting the church. It's the same church where there is disagreement about who the gospel is called to be preached to. And now Peter is in prison on death row just because the king wants to make some rich Jews happy. Same church. And so, beloved, we see in this that this king, Herod, he kills James, the brother of John, and they are, uh, folks are delighted when the man of God is killed. Hmm? And so Herod says, if one is good, then two has got to be better. And so he's going to kill Peter too. And just when you think you got it made, that's when the enemy shows up. Just when you think all of your problems are solved, just when you think you got it together, that's when the enemy shows up to steal, kill, and destroy. But nobody does it better than Jesus. And, and, and as Jesus begins to, to show his spirit to his people, it minds, reminds us, as Ruth says, what we are on this hill for. Hmm? We are here to be a light on the hill. When, when, when I walked out yesterday and, and, and looked at and surveyed the scene, and, and, and I can see now the picture of, of, of us standing on the hill looking down into the valley. With that man laying on the ground, shot up. And, 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 and I heard the Spirit of God speaking to me say, what are y'all going to do? You may be up on the mountaintop today, but there are some folk who are down in the valley. And I've called you to be a light on this hill. And a light that shines on a hill cannot be hidden. And I found out and I learned that if we don't go out to them, they're going to come into us. God is saying to us that, that if, if, if we don't begin to pray and turn and begin to intercede for what is happening in our midst, God says, I can't use you. Watch, watch, watch this, watch this now. He, he says, it begins in the church. It begins with prayer in the church. Peter is in prison, but the church is praying. Peter experiences deliverance after death comes. Herod brings death, but the church is praying. And when Herod brings death, the church prays, God brings deliverance. You ain't hear me now. But verse 6 says that when they, they, they looked around, Peter was asleep in the middle of the guards, in prison. Come on now. Falsely accused. He's in prison in the middle of a squad of guards. But he's asleep. 
And if you use your biblical imagination, he's got his pajamas on. What would you be doing if you were falsely accused and placed in prison? Would you be asleep? Peter is in prison. The church is praying. And so Peter has peace. Come on, long when the church prays, the church brings peace. Peace in the valley. There will be peace in the valley when the church prays. And as Peter is sleeping, the Lord sends his presence in the middle of the prison. And the presence of the Lord comes when an angel comes in and he delivers Peter from the prison. And as Peter comes out of the prison, following the angel, following the presence of God, watch it now. As he's following the presence of God, the enemy is all around him, but the enemy can't do you no harm. He's following him, and he feels like he's in a dream. Read Psalm 126. When the Lord delivered us from captivity, we were like folk in a dream. He's, he feels like he's in a dream because he's in the middle of deliverance. Watch this. You missed it now. We're in the middle of miracle territory, and folk don't even know it. It's like we're in a dream. We're in miracle territory. And folk are just wondering. He's, he's following. But watch this. Back up, Smith. Back up. Because the Bible says when the Lord sends his deliverance, he says the angel comes and says to Peter, get up. I missed it. Get up. Somebody here today, the Lord's saying to you, get up. You've been sitting on your satisfaction too long. Get up. You've been, you've, been, you've been sitting on the premises. It's time for you to start standing on the promises. Get up. He, he, say, he says to Peter, he says, get up. I, I know you're at peace, but get up. It's time to go to work. Get up. And when Peter gets up, he's walking, and the enemy can't do him any harm. He's walking through the enemy, and they're still there. And when he gets there, the, 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 the angel of the Lord delivers him. He's in prison, but the church is praying. He's at peace, and the Lord sends his presence. And when the Lord sends his presence, Peter begins to see God's power. In the middle of deliverance, he sees the power of God. And as he's there, coming out of the prison, finally the, the angel leaves, and here's the good news. The Bible says, when Peter comes to himself, Glory to God. He says, when he comes to, I wish I had time to talk about when we come to ourselves. He, he, he comes to himself. himself. He, when we come to ourselves, can I just take a minute to say, when we come to ourselves, we will realize that this life is not a dream. Pinch yourself. You, you, you're not in a dream. Tell, tell your neighbor, you, you're not dreaming. It, 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 yeah, it's, it, it's this good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is this good to you. I know you think it, God, God is so good to me. I must be in a dream. But tell your neighbor, it's not a dream. Because when we come to ourselves, we will realize that this is not a dream. When we come to ourselves, we will realize where our help comes from. 
And it don't come from the bank or the, wherever we work and get out. Listen, if you're depending on that place for your income, you're in a world of trouble. You're in trouble, trouble. Because folks are talking now, if sequestration comes, well, I feel like preaching in here today. If sequestration comes, somebody said today, said the church is going to be full when sequestration comes. You won't have any problems getting folks to join the church when sequestration comes because folks don't realize where their help comes from. We actually do believe that those employers are the ones who are providing for us. But my Bible says my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When we come to ourselves, we will realize that all things do really work together for the good of those who love the Lord. When we come to ourselves, we will realize that in my father's house, there are many mansions. And guess what? One of those mansions is reserved for me. When we come to ourselves, we will realize that if God is for me, who can be against me? When we come to ourselves, we will realize that, listen, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and neither has it entered into the minds of men what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. When we come to ourselves, watch it, Peter says when he comes to himself, he says, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me. in prison but the church is praying and as the church is praying Peter is at peace and when Peter is at peace God sends his presence he moves from death to deliverance and when he sees the presence of God he begins to feel the power of God and when he feels the power of God God shows him his providence that I am your provider. I am the one who brought you out. I am the one who made a way. I am the way who took care of you. I am the one who protected you. When they were shooting a hundred yards away from you, none of the bullets entered your place where you were sitting. You didn't even know what was going on, but I protected you. It was God's providence. We come to ourselves. It's one of the reasons why we can't praise God. We're in a dream. But it's not a dream. It's the Lord who is providing for us. The church is praying. Praying for Peter. Be delivered. Peter gets delivered. Watch it now. He says, I got to go tell the folk. I got to testify, Miss Carrie, and let somebody know how good God is. Let me tell you about how good my God is. And so I got to go to the church where I know the folk are praying, Carla. I know who some folks who are calling on the name of God. And when he gets there where the folk are praying, he knocks on the door. The girl comes to the door. She sees his Peter, slams the door, runs back and says, it's Peter. He's at the door. The folks say, you must be crazy. Move from death to deliverance. But if we don't wake up, doubt will enter in. And where there is doubt, there can be no faith. And where there is no faith, 
we can't please God. And if we don't please God, we don't get blessed by God. And if we don't get blessed by God, we are sowing ourselves out into the world where the enemy can do us some harm. But when we believe God, they, 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 they doubt. They say, you must be crazy. It's got to be his angel. Listen, what were they praying for? If you pray, don't doubt. But if you doubt, don't pray. What, why were they praying if they didn't believe that God would answer prayer? Come on, read John 16, 24. You've asked it in my name. Ask and you shall receive so that your joy can be complete. People of God were praying. Peter gets delivered. But they, 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 they really didn't expect God to move. Come on now. Because we're getting ready to come home now. Because oftentimes when we are praying, do we expect God to move? When, we, when we're praying for someone who is sick, do we expect God to heal them? When, when we're praying for God to deliver us, do we expect God to deliver us? Watch it now. When we, when we are praying for land, do we expect God to give us land? When we are praying for buildings, do we expect God? Oh, God, I wish I had somebody to help me in here. Do we expect God to provide a building for us? Or is our minds filled with doubt? I'll believe it when I see it. I'm going to wait till I see the, the pilings going in the ground and the foundation being poured. Watch this now. I, I'm going to wait till I see the steel going up. And, and then I'm going to wait till I see the, the roof go on. Now, I still don't believe it. I'm going to wait till the walls go in. I still don't believe it. I'm going to wait till the, the, the furniture gets moved in. I still don't believe it. We're going to be marching in the place and you're going to be still waiting on believing God till you see it. I wish I had somebody help. Man, I've preached Donald Smith. I already am. How long is it going to take before doubt gets superseded by faith in your life? Yes. So, Peter, the evidence is there. Miami, it's there. Looking at them. And they say, it couldn't be. We've been praying for Peter in prison. And now, here he is power of a praying church. Watch, watch, watch this now. If the church would just pray, Peter gets there. This is, the Bible says, don't, don't miss this. I'm getting out of your way now. I think it's verse 14, 16. The Bible says that they said it must be, 15 says it must be his angel. But verse 16, you got to see this now. It says, but Peter kept on knocking. Man, I wish I had somebody. I need to come down here with y'all. Rufus, aren't you glad that Jesus kept on knocking? In, in, in the middle of my, my doubt, God kept on knocking. When, when, when I didn't believe James, God kept on knocking. When I, when I threw my hands up and said, I'm giving up, God kept on knocking. When folks say, you are no good, you'll never be able to make it, God kept on knocking. 
Listen, when you had those bad relationships, God kept on knocking. When you looked in your pocket and you didn't have a dime in your pocket, God kept on knocking. When you didn't have a job, God kept on knocking. When you were in the neighborhood of no way, God made a way. He kept on knocking. I wish I had somebody who would testify that I'm glad that God kept on knocking. He kept on knocking. They didn't believe. Doubt is all around. It must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. I'm going to stay here until you let me in. Because you need to know that my God is able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. I'm so glad that he kept on knocking on my door. When I gave up and turned away from God, he kept on knocking at my door. When I was sick and the doctors were shaking their heads over me and saying, he ain't going to make it. God kept on knocking and I said yes I am they were kept God kept on knocking on your door when you were sinking deep in sin and far from the peaceful shore very faintly there within seeking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard your despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me and now safe am I it was love that lifted me when nothing else could help God's love kept on knocking and it lifted me. It's the power of a praying church. He's in prison. Church is praying. He's at peace. God sends his presence. In the middle of his presence, I get his power. His power, I get his providence. And so I go through all that, I learn his purpose. Moving me from death to deliverance, overcoming doubt. He kept on knocking. And the church is praying. I, 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 if the church would just pray, hmm? Come on, gospels would stop gossiping. If the church would pray, liars would stop lying. If, if the church would pray, cheaters would stop cheating. Come on, I'll get to your part, just wave at me. The church would pray, backbiters would stop backbiting. The church would pray, come on now, drunkards would stop drinking. The church would pray, sniffers would stop snorting. The church would pray, fresh women would lower their hymn lines. If the church would pray, fresh men would keep their pants on. Oh, he didn't go that, did he? Oh, yes, he did. If the church would pray, Old folk would stop acting foolish. The church would pray. Young folk would stop acting crazy. If the church would pray, demons would be chased. Sick folk would be healed. The devil would be horrified. God would be glorified. And love would be an order of the day. If the church of Jesus Christ would pray, I wish somebody would cry out the name of the one who has delivered us. Call his name Jesus. It's a pillar upon which we stand as a, a powerful church, as a church that prays, that understands the language of prayer and knows how to call on the name of the one who's able. If the church would just get back to praying, we'll see God. He wants to save the city. He said, well, pastor, we're just a few folks on this hill. Jesus turned the world around with 
with 12. He says, well, we're not that many. Gideon defeated the army with 300. We said, Pastor, we, we, we're, we're just small. We don't have much. David defeated Goliath with one stone and a slingshot. He said, well, Pastor, we, you know, we, we don't have much. We're not so much. Come on, call Ruth's name. What about Esther? What about Deborah? Well, Lord, I, I, I'm a woman. I'm a young person. What about Timothy? Hmm? Listen, this is a wake-up call. Folks are shooting folks around us. You don't do that around God's people. It's time to come off the hill. Somebody knows somebody who can minister to large numbers of people who are unchurched, who are not converted. Maybe it's a gang member that you grew up with. Maybe Nuck Nuck, who was a gang member and a drug dealer, who you knew, you know. Maybe Nuck Nuck could, could, could win a lot of folks to Christ if he was converted. But I don't hang out with Nuck Nuck no more because he's, he's dealing drugs. Maybe I need to start praying for Nuck Nuck. Maybe, maybe Bonquisha, who's got five children and she's only 24 years old. Maybe, maybe I need to, but she's got a lot of personality. So we can't have her in church. Why do you think God chose Paul? If, if he can go out persecuting folk, for the devil's cause, I think he can go out and win some souls for Jesus' cause. Here's, here's, here's the final thing, beloved. It, it may not be you. Maybe God wants to use you to call somebody else. I can't do it, but I know somebody who can. Somebody you grew up with. Listen, if, until we understand what the purpose of the church is, all I'm saying to you is, we got to go out, folks. And God has given us the power to be able to do it. And that's the pillar upon which the church stands. It's the power of God.